Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be when you are hearing this message. God bless you today. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and today we're looking at episode 78 of our Bible Bites, and the reading for today as we're going through the scriptures, and I trust you are too. Today's reading is found in Judges chapter 3, 4, and 5. And so um, I'd like to make a couple of points. First of all, the book of Judges tells us just more of the history of the people of the children of Israel in the land. Once they got into the land, before the prophets and the kings began to rise on the scene, they had judges that got appointed after Joshua, and God would raise them up. And we're reading about that in this book. And we see how <clears throat> they cycle through. They They would... Um, during a, a particular deliverance of God, they were all on fire for the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, they'd get back in, they'd fall back into some kind of sin and idolatry. And they would re, uh, provoke the Lord to anger again over them, over that, over, this, over their sin. And so he'd have to deal with their sin. God always does. There's discipline. There's consequences when we fall into sin. And then they would cry out to him and the Lord would raise up in mercy and in compassion and love. He would raise up a deliverer for them. So that's pretty much what we're reading here in the history book of the book of Judges. Also, I want to point out that there's another book in the Bible that fits within the time frame of this period of the Judges, and that is the book of Ruth. We're not going to read that right now. We'll get to that a little bit later. But just keep in mind that during the book of Ruth, it is happening sometime over this period when the judges are ruling in Israel. And the book of Judges will cover a span of a good many years. Matter of fact, these first three, first few chapters that we're going to read today cover quite a bit of a span of many years. And we'll see that as we go through. So in chapter three, of the book of Judges. Remember chapter 1 and 2 set the stage for the narratives and the stories that we will read in the history of the Jewish people found in the book of Judges. And remember they would, um, the Lord had um, taken Joshua on, Joshua had died, and now, you know, it was time for the, the generation behind him to come along. And and all the children of Israel followed the Lord while Joshua and, and the godly leaders there were on the stage. But now we begin to see how after those have passed away, what the people began to do. And so notice this, first of all, in verse three, in verse, uh, in chapter three, in verse two, it says this was only so. In other words, chapter one, I mean, chapter three, verse one says this. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war at least those who had not formally known it. So, beloved, God is leaving some nations here, some people, so that they can learn to conquer and they can learn to overcome and they can learn to be victorious with God. And as a matter of fact, in essence, this has a spiritual application to us because there, we are at war. There is an enemy of our soul. The Lord defeated him ultimately 
in terms of breaking his power for all the believers of the Lord who would come to know Jesus and call upon his name. They're set free from the power of the devil, from the power of sin. But he is still very present, and he is still um, seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible tells us that. So we have to learn to war in the Spirit. We have to learn to use the weapons God has given us against our enemy in the spiritual realm. And so God wants us to be victorious and to be overcomers. And so he was teaching this, the generations to come after Joshua, he began to teach them how to war, how to fight, how to become victorious and to conquer. And so the Lord was using these nations in order to do that. He was testing them. And he also wanted to know, are they going to be faithful to me or not? God has always wanted people who love him because they it's out of their heart. It's out of their sincerity and their, their thanksgiving their gratitude, their love for him, they serve him, not just out of some duty or obligation. And so God is testing them to do that. Notice in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, talks about these Canaanites. And it says that in verse 6, particularly, they took their wives, their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and they served their gods. In other words, now God is setting for us this pattern and we will see it play out in the book of Judges where, remember, we've talked about this before. God has told us he wants us to be in the world and not of it. So here in verse 6, we read where basically the children of Israel have now been in the land of Canaan, but now they've become of the Canaanites, of the world, of the things that are not of God. And so we begin to see that play out for the remaining chapters in this book. In um, <clears throat> verse 7 through 8, we see how the, the people fall against the Lord. They, they sin, they come into idolatry, and God responds because God is a jealous God. He's going to discipline. He's going to bring corrective action to his people. And so they were under oppression for eight years in this case. And then in verse 9, they begin to cry out to him, God delivers them through this Ophniel, and then they have a 40-year reprieve, bless the Lord. But guess what? Over the course of that 40 years, they turn against the Lord again. And in verse 12 to 14, they, they, have, um, they have provoked the Lord again to anger through idolatry and, and through these evil deeds. And so they have 18 years of oppression then. So the Lord is, is um, punishing them. He is trying to correct their behavior. He's trying to draw them to repentance. And so he does that over the course of 18 years. Well, verse 15 through 30 tells us about how they cry out to him again. And God sends another deliverer. And then they have rest for 80 years, how good God is to them. But then we come to chapter 4, and we see that they've gotten into sin and idolatry again. And they, this time, the oppression is for 20 years. Now, notice this. It was eight years the first time, and then it was 18 years, and now it's 20 years. God is, is in a sense, increasing in his disciplinary action to arrest them and to, to turn them back to him. But it's also because of the continued willful sinfulness and obedience of these generations of 
the Jewish people and God's people at that time. So God delivers them. <clears throat> he sends this time in chapter four, he sends a woman, Deborah. She's known to us in the scriptures as a prophetess. She was the wife of Lephidoth. I guess that's how you say it. I don't know how to pronounce his name. But she, <clears throat> she rises up on the scene and God uses her and raises her up and promotes her to this position of a judge. I want to read <clears throat> verse 6 to you also because she was a prophetess. So God gave her a word. God gave her an anointed prophetic word. And so she sends and she calls for Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor, take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun, and against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. So in other words, she is confirming to Barak that God spoke to him. She's saying, hey, why are you still here and you're not fighting against this enemy like the Lord told you? God's already told you to go out. He's going to give you the victory. So we see Barak is, is holding back. He Maybe he didn't know if it was the, truly the Lord. Maybe he was afraid. Apparently, he felt afraid and intimidated because he says in verse 8, uh, If you'll go with me, I'll go. But if you'll not go with me, I'll not go. In other words, he's saying, hey, you're a woman of God. Uh, God is with you. God is speaking through you. You know, I, I'm not sure that I can do this on my own. I'll, I'll go if you'll go with me kind of thing. And so, so Deborah says, okay, you know, you didn't believe the Lord just by yourself in hearing from him and you didn't obey him entirely. So therefore, you're not going to get the glory for this. God's going to give it to, guess what, another woman. And so here, I love, I love the story of Deborah in the Old Testament because so many people have misunderstandings about women and especially women in ministry. And there's so much confusion over that issue. But beloved, I find in scripture that God has no problem with using women in ministry when he deems it so and when he deems it necessary. The Bible says that the spirit of God distributes the gifts and calls people with their gifts as he wills. And it doesn't matter about gender. There's neither male nor female as far as the things of God. There is order in the kingdom of God. There is order in family and in other official structures, yes. And there are chains of command, yes. But God has no problem with speaking to women, using women, and blessing women, and blessing people through his female servants as well. As a matter of fact, in Joel chapter 2, we read about the prophetic word that was fulfilled in the New Testament beginning in Acts chapter 2. And it says that God will pour out his spirit upon the men and the women, the, the maidservants and the male, uh, the male servants and the maidservants, guys and gals. God is using everybody. He's using anybody. He will use all the whosoever wills, all those who will submit to him and everything. But I also love the story of Deborah that's found in chapter 4 and in chapter 5 here because we also learn a lot about 
women in ministry. First of all, let's talk about who Deborah was. What was her character like? Well, first of all, we know she was a wife of Lapidoth, a prophetess and a judge and a deliverer. But notice this, she was also submitted and she had a life of integrity and obedience. We find that to be true here as we see her obeying the Lord, as she confirms the word to Barak, as she submits to his leadership, as she links herself with him. Um, and also, I read into that. Now, this is, this is perhaps um, uh, my opinion or interpretation, but I don't believe that she, as a godly woman, would be a godly woman and be going against her husband. I believe that perhaps her husband recognized the call of God on her life, recognized the anointing of God for this ministry, and her husband was supportive of that. And that's another um, key element that I see here. She was submitted to her husband. She, Her husband was with her in ministry in the sense of being supportive of her. She was hearing from God. She was in sweet fellowship with God. And that's another reason I believe she was submitted to godly order and to her husband's authority. She had the courage to act, and she did. And God gave over to her the victory through, through her and Barak's obedience and, um, and through Jael's obedience, another woman that comes into play. So God is showing us here, he has no problem with women in ministry, but it's also showing us the responsibility of the women in ministry. And beloved, those of us that are women in ministry need to be like Deborah. We need to have those same characteristics of integrity and obedience, of submission, of remaining in sweet fellowship with God and acting at his direction and not our own. Hallelujah. And so when Barak asked her to, to accompany him and to be with him, then is when she went out. She didn't go out and do something on her own, but she was submitted to authority. And then in chapter 5, we have their song, their victory song after God gave them all the victory. Hallelujah. And what does Deborah say about herself? She doesn't say she's some great victor. She's some wonderful champion. She doesn't promote herself at all. She calls herself a mother in Israel. Hallelujah. What, a, what humility. And then in verse 9, we see that again. She says, my heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. So she is, she's hum, humbly in submission. She's saying, hey, we're in this together. I'm not taking some great credit. My heart is with all of you who heard the call of God and who saw the need and, and jumped in and said, we will do it. Hallelujah. So we see beautiful, beautiful traits here from Deborah that, that will help us, especially those of us that are women in ministry. And I want to read verse 31 to you and how good God was that after this, it says the Lord gave them rest for 40 years. But listen to the words of verse 31. And may this be true even today in our day of all of the enemies of the Lord and the people of God. Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord. But let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. And I pray that, that, that maybe that's the best way to end this. Let this be our prayer, that all of the enemies will perish of the Lord. But those that love him will be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. 
I pray this has been a blessing to you today. The Lord bless you. Join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites. God bless you.